postmodern and post-Christian are both terms that the, the church seriously needs to retire. We're going to the world to tell them who we are, and we're not going to the world to present who God is. A world in which so much is focused on building walls and keeping people out. An alternative way to live is to live by... It's almost like raising up white flag and saying, Ah! It's all the secular people's fault and no one's listening or coming to our evangelistic campaign. How can we redesign Adventism to be effective at reaching emerging Western culture? That's what the Story Church podcast is all about. Adventism Redesigned. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Marcus here and I want to welcome you back to the Story Church Podcast. I am beyond stoked for today's episode, the number one thing your church must do after the pandemic. Um, And the reason why I'm really stoked, well, there's actually two reasons. The first is that uh, this whole COVID-19 season is forcing us to rethink church, right? Like it's not, um, you know, our buildings are closed. We're not running our regular programs the way we are used to running them. And so the sort of building centric, program centric approach to church has taken a back seat. And the reality is that COVID-19 is not gonna last forever. It will eventually fade. And the question is, what are you going to do when your church is able to regather? Are you gonna go back to the same patterns and the, the, the status quo that you were in? Or are you going to take this brilliant opportunity? Like I really believe this is like a divinely orchestrated opportunity for us to rethink, reimagine, and really fundamentally go back to scripture and rediscover what is it that God wants us to do as a church? How does he want us to flow? And so I think we should take advantage of this season to, to, to have that conversation and to have that wrestle with him. Um, and that's what we're going to do in today's episode. But um, the other reason why I'm super excited about it is because I am not alone. Instead, I am joined by a man who needs no <laughs> introduction. Uh, Pastor Ivor Myers, man. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, bro. How are you? Thank you, man. Thank you. Doing good. Thank you for having me on. Um, I know it's been a a little challenge uh, getting this this thing done, but uh, I am here now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ivor, I want to begin by asking you just a really simple question just to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about the legend of (laughs) Ivor Myers. The, the legend. <laughs> That's funny. Everyone um, loves well, that question, man. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, former hip hop artist uh, was introduced uh, to the gospel while we were recording our first album. This is back in 1995, 1994. Um, and we were introduced to the three angels messages and it just changed everything. Just set my life, my life on a new trajectory. Um, and uh, things have never been the same since. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. Now, you've been um, pastoring in California, am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've yep. gone from hip-hop artist to, to church pastor. How long have you been pastoring? So I've been pastoring uh, since 2000. Since so 2000, okay. 20, actually, 21 years, 21 years. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You don't even look that old. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> I am 47. 47. Get 47. out of here. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. Okay. It's that health message, man. You're looking young. The health man. message. <laughs> so um, 
I, I want to ask just two more questions and then I know you don't have a lot of time. So I want to, I want to dive into this conversation on the number one thing our churches should do after the pandemic. Um, yeah. But just two more questions. How are you surviving the pandemic and what's the first thing you reckon you'll do when it's over? Well, uh, how we're surviving the pandemic, you know, it's, um, um, I'm a, I'm a, I like working out, exercising and, um, and weightlifting in particular. Okay. So when the gym shut down, it was like, no, 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 <laughs> what's going on? So now, you know, your audience can't see this, but I'm in my garage and what? That, uh -huh. is, that is good. That is awesome, bro. Yeah. Nice so I just had to go out and buy it. Yeah. So, uh, for, for those of you, because you guys are listening, you're not watching this. I'm, yep. I'm on Zoom with Ivor, so I can see his garage. And okay. yeah, he's got himself a bodybuilding cave in his yes. garage. <laughs> you, when this is over, you're going to be jacked, bro. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so this is how, you know, just um, physical activity, keeping in shape and everything like that. And um, of course, I've been just jumping on a whole lot of, and I think this is probably true for a lot of pastors, we've been zooming and zooming and zooming mm -hmm. and just, you know, doing more than we have typically done, which kind of goes right in line with what we're going to be talking about this evening, because yeah. I think to a large degree, our church has become a lot more active in the last three, four weeks, um, mm -hmm. online, um, and in a more effective way than we have for a long time. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I think I saw a, po a post from someone uh, recently on Facebook that in the last month, he's seen more creativity <laughs> in the church than in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so that forcing, was... it's forcing us out of, our, out of the box. That's right. Yeah, that's forcing right. Forcing us out of the church building. Mm. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, mm -hmm. you guys, I'm telling you. We're going to get into a Bible study in a minute and your mind's going to be blown. Your mind's going to be blown. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin on that because we're going to come right back to that. <laughs> now, how, like, what, if you could say like, here's the one thing I'd love to do when this is, when this is done, I, I miss doing this. Uh, we're going on vacation. Nice. Being locked up in the house, like <laughs> we just need to like go somewhere. Yes. And go on vacation. Yes. And be out in the sun. Yes. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Go back to normal. I hear you, man. I hear you. That's actually a good idea. I should, I should, I should probably plan. I mean, it's kind of hard to plan because we don't know exactly when it's yeah, going exactly. to end. But yeah, it would be really nice to sort of get away, you know, yep. for like a week. Yeah. Yep. That, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yep. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you know. All right, all right. Start start planning my holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ivor, again, thank you so much um, for for joining me today on on the podcast. Um, I've been really excited to have this conversation because yeah. I think it was what maybe a month or two ago. No, actually, it was it was last year. It was last year because one of my churches was working on bringing you out and the army camp out. Uh, to do an army camp here in Perth. Yeah. And um, around that time, I saw a sermon that you preached called House Fires. Mm -hmm. And I've never been the same after, <laughs> mm -hmm. after watching that sermon yeah. because it took 
it took essentially the one of the cores of what I've been sort of trying to portray to the church yeah. for for some time, and not just myself, but many people. Mm-hmm. But it put it in a narrative framework. Yeah. So what you did, and 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 for those of you who are listening, we're going to you know Ivor's going to take us through this journey in a little bit. Um, but if you wanted to get like the the uh, the sermon version, you can YouTube House Fires and you'll find it with Ivor Myers. Um, but what you did is you took this idea of church, you placed it within the narrative arc of scripture, and you just let it naturally unfold. Mm. So that by the time it got to the end, I was like, mind blown. You know? mm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I want to begin, I want just want to, I want to turn our, our, our focus over to that now, but I, I want to start with just a basic question. And then I want to, I want you to take us on this journey in, yeah. in the short amount of time you have as best as possible. Yeah. Um, but what led you? to preach this sermon which essentially is calling the church out of its current box mm-hmm. back into the new testament like what led you to that yeah um you know i think i'm a i'm a visionary and so i like thinking outside the box and i think you know looking at the church and the churches and how we're so used to operating um and seeing that, you know, the the way that we're doing our work is really not very effective in getting the gospel out into all the world. Um, that's probably been one of my biggest burdens. Um, and, and I think that in part um, led to that sermon. And I didn't set out to, um, to say, you know what, I'm going to preach a sermon on this this Sabbath. It's and it's kind of the way that my sermons typically come together is the Lord will just drop a seed yep. and that seed then just flourishes. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to be talking about this Sabbath. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you got in there, you started to explore this theme and, and it led you to this, this house fires sermon. So I want to, I want to, I want to like sort of, toss the ball over into your court now mm-hmm. and say, all right, Ivor, take us, take us on this journey that, um, that you, that you encapsulate in the house fires. Sermon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if we go back to the old Testament and, um, begin with the house of God, mm-hmm. um, we understand the house of God, according to the book of Exodus to be the sanctuary. And in Exodus 25, 8, God, you know, instructs the children of Israel to make this sanctuary so that he could dwell with them. And um, the sanctuary was was peculiar in the sense that this is going to be the house of God, right? Yep. And as you look at how the house was built, it on the outside, it is nothing like what... It is nothing like what you would think a king of the universe, the king of the universe, <laughs> to live in. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was a very plain, humble, small-looking house. That's right. The glory was on the inside. It wasn't on the outside. Right? So mm. the, there was gold on the inside. And I mean, you know, covering cherubim and the glory of God dwelt on the inside of this house the the sanctuary once moses finished building this house the presence of god 
came upon the house. So if you read in the book of Exodus chapter 40 and Exodus chapter 24, it talks about how fire filled the house of God. And that was the glory of God. That was the sign of the holiness of, the, of that tabernacle, right? When the glory of God filled that tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was located in the center of all the tribes of Israel. So right. there were smaller tents, but in the center was the main tent, yeah. the tabernacle. And um, again, this tabernacle was symbolic. Isaiah 56, verse 7, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Um, the Gentiles would be invited into this house. Hmm. And something key about the sanctuary was that it was a movable house. That's right. Yeah. I was right? just thinking that. Yeah, it was transportable. It was transportable. So um, they, the house moved. The presence of God was there. And it was never a settled house. The children of Israel finally get into the promised land. And you'll remember that, you know, Samuel was at that time the priest, and then the people eventually asked for a king. Yeah. Now, God did not desire for them to have a king. That wasn't God's plan. But yet God acquiesced to their request. Right? He said, okay, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king. So we know that there's first there's King Saul and then David takes over the kingdom. And in the Chronicles, the book of Chronicles, it, it goes on to tell us that after David has settled the kingdom, he is in his house and he just, this thought comes to him. And the thought is, wait a minute, you know, I'm settled here. Everything is good. Look at the house I dwell in. Why shouldn't God, why should God be dwelling in a house like the one we had in the wilderness? Mm. Right? In other words, in David's mind, it's like, hold on. This is the God of the universe. Why should he be in a house that's looking all meek and lowly? Yeah, basically a tent. Why should he be in a tent? <laughs> yeah. Right? So, um... There's a statement here from, um, uh, I cannot uh, remember the source of it, but basically it just points out the fact that uh, it was while David, you know, was in his, was in his place of cedar that his conscience was like, wait a minute, there's no suitable dwelling place for God. I need to build him a sanct. I need to build him a permanent house, mm. right? So it's when he, he, he has this thought and he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the prophet Nathan comes to him and I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. Um, it's first Chronicles 17, one through six. I don't know if you have a Bible in front of you. Yep. Yep. Um, but so first, first Chronicles 17. Yep. And, uh, one through six. Yeah. Okay. I can go ahead and read that. I've got it here, but yeah. Okay, go ahead. If you could read that, that'd be good. All right. So let me just um, finish. Uh, here we are. Okay. So First Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. That's cedar, right? 
Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, you will, not bring, you will not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. Verse 6 is the last one? Yeah. Okay. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, I have, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying... Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is crucial here. Yeah. Because David is like, ah, I'm going to build a magnificent house for God because God deserves a magnificent house. Right? Mm. And then the prophet comes to David with the word of God. And, and how does God respond? He basically responds saying, David, who have I ever asked? <laughs> for a house to be built. Mm. Like, when did I give that command? When did I ask that, right? Yep. And then he turns around and, and says uh, in verse 10, it says, and since that time I commanded judges to be over my people. Moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build, will build thee and house. Mm. So he was like, David, listen, I don't want you to build me a house. I am going to build you a house, <laughs> yep. right? Now, David, David hears these words and then God goes on to promise that you will have a son. Uh, in fact, it's verse 11. It shall come to pass when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy, of thy sons. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And I will not take, take my mercy away from him as I took it from, as I took it from him that was before thee. Mm -hmm. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. Mm -hmm. So David hears this and he thinks, well, he interprets this as, oh, I can't build a house. My son is going to build a house. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, yeah, the son of David is going to build the house of God, which he was right, but he was also wrong. Yeah. God tells him, don't build me a house. I don't need a house. By the way, when God instructs Moses to build a house, what kind of house is it? It's a humble house. Mm -hmm. The glory is not on the outside not outward show, but it's on the inside. Yep. It's a movable house. Hmm. So what ends up happening is David, you know, calls his son Solomon and is basically like, hey, God told me that you're going to build a house. Now, when you look at the description of the son of David that God is talking about will build a house, he's talking about none other than Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. Like for us, we read that and we're like, yeah, this is totally messianic. But David is thinking, oh, my kid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's thinking that Solomon is the fulfillment. Now, the house that God is talking about is not a literal house, 
he's talking about a house of people, mm. right? This is the house that Jesus, that God, the son of David was going to build what the New Testament calls the church of God, mm. right? Yeah. So David goes, you know, and now God does not stop David or his son or Solomon. He goes along just as they were like, give us a king. And God was like, no, but you want a king, okay? So they build this house. And if you notice what happens to the sanctuary throughout, throughout <laughs> this central place of God's house, it gets burnt, it gets ransacked, mm. all kinds of things. Over and over again. <laughs> over and over again. Yep. Right? And when they finally end up rebuilding, they're looking at it and they're like, man, the glory, the glory is not in this house. And and the word comes back, listen, the glory you're looking for is the wrong glory, mm -hmm. right? There's going to be a greater glory that fills this house. And they did not, they still did not understand that. Yeah, because there was a transition then between the house being humble on the outside and filled with exactly. glory on the inside to exactly. the house being glorious on the outside. Exactly. And the inside became um, what we see in Isaiah. You know, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Absolutely. It was just ritualistic. It, was, it lost its meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. So they began to glorify the outward temple. Mm. Look how beautiful this is. Mm. While ignoring the glory on the inside. Mm. So what we see in the Old Testament, and we know finally the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. We know before that the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the comparison. In the Old Testament, the house was humble, it was movable, and the glory, the sign that this was the dwelling place of God was that fire filled the house. Mm. Right? Fire filled the house. So what happens in the Old Testament is they move away from this, this model, and instead of the humble house of God, where the glory of God dwelt, they want to build a centralized structure mm. that God never asked for. And the result of that is the glory moves from out, from inward to outward, and this temple ends up getting destroyed over and over again. Mm. When we come to the New Testament, we find that it is the death of Christ where the veil of the temple is rent in two. Right. So what does that signify? It signifies that this is no longer the place that God dwells. Mm. This is no longer God's house. Mm. So the question now becomes, well, what is God's house? Where is the glory of God to be found now? And the answer to that, and this is kind of the, the, the key point of, the, of this whole thing, is that when we get to the book of Acts chapter 2, what happens there? Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Pentecost. Yep. Where does Pentecost unfold? I'm going from memory a little here. Isn't it Peter's house? It, yeah, forget about whose house it is. Yeah, it was it's a house, house, that's for sure. <laughs> yep, it was a house. The glory of God falls in a house. Mm -hmm. And that becomes absolutely crude. It becomes so significant because in the Old Testament, the sign that this was the house of God, the place where man and God would meet, was mm -hmm. that the glory filled the sanctuary. 
That's right. The fire. It filled the, the fire filled the tent. Hmm. In the New Testament, you now have fire filling a house. Hmm. God is saying, in remember in the Old Testament, it was the main tabernacle, but it was movable, and then there were houses all around that tabernacle. Yep. And the people had to come to the tabernacle, even though the tabernacle was movable. In the New Testament, the glory of God is now dwelling in the houses. Mm. It's moved from the tabernacle into people's homes. Mm. And so now you see this model where fire, the, the, the way the church spread was that the fire in Peter's house was spreading to other houses. That's it. So hence the title house fire, mm. house fires. The way the early church grew so rapidly is because the fire was going from house to house, to house, to house. Mm. That's where the presence of God was dwelling. That's where the church was. The church was the house. So you have this spread of house fires all across the Roman empire and Satan doesn't know how to stop it. <laughs> yeah so you get down to the third century and you have a man by the name of Constantine mm. who decides that he's going to build the first cathedral he's going to build the first mega church if you will <laughs> so the 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 emphasis of the church now moved from local houses churches hundreds of churches mm -hmm. right uh, house churches to a centralized church remember david in the old testament right yeah we're going to build a centralized system of worship which god by the way never asked for mm. that's exactly what you have happening in the third century this shift from house fire to a central place where people come to hear one teacher. That's it. And now all Satan had to do was control the teacher mm. and you control the churches, you control the masses. Wow. So as we see this model through the dark ages, remember this, while, while the, the, the counterfeit churches were meeting in these huge structures, where was, where were God's true people meeting? They were meeting in homes out in the, in the mountains, bro. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. So we, we follow that model all through the dark ages. And I find it interesting. One of the texts that I used in the sermon was Satan, uh, the dragon let out of his mouth water as a flood to cause the woman to be carried away. And I see that now in the context of house fires mm. during the dark ages, he was trying to put out these house fires, the flood. Yeah. Ah, oh. he's trying That's to put deep, out bro. <laughs> yeah. So come down now to, you know, the, the rise of God's end time movement, 1844 and onward. And what were they doing? They didn't, they didn't have a church. Mm. So where were they meeting yeah. in homes, yep. in houses? Now, this is not to speak against, you know, a church building, mm. right? But it's simply to say that 
our church, our early church, even though they had church structures, they still followed the model of the house meeting. Hmm. They were still going from house to house and they were encouraging the small group, the small group, the small group. But after 1900s, 1920s, you began to have this centralization of the church, hmm. right? And more emphasis now being placed on the church structure than in the home church. That's right. And so to me, the parallel, the significance of that is that we have slowed the rate of growth. We have, we're not growing as fast as we could be or should be because we have become so church uh, structure based versus the model of the early church. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, seeing the, 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 the situation that we're in right now, it's almost like what better time for us to return to a model of house fires, which in a sense is what's happening right now. I'm in my yeah. house, you're in your house. Yep. And we are like, there are different ways to do house fires now, mm. <laughs> right? With technology, we can do house fires in, in, in such a way that just would rapidly multiply mm. and get the gospel out into the, into the whole world. Oh man, it's, whew, there's so much there, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I tell you like the reason, here's the thing. All right. Let me, let me just premise it this way and, and let me know how much time you have too. Cause I know you got, yeah. you got to run. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of us who've been, you know, sort of saying for a while, Hey, you know, let's get back to the home-based movement. Um, and you know, part of the motivation to that is what you mentioned just a little while ago, that the church has become a centralized location with a, um, with a well-defined program mm -hmm. that basically means that church is people going to a building to watch a few people use their gifts yeah yeah and then they go back to their regular routine and then they come so it's, it's like a, a theater you you show up every weekend yeah. and you you know well i don't want to be too dramatic you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um but it's th there's a show factor to it is the point i'm making um yeah. where, you, where you show up every weekend you sit you observe you listen and then you go home and if the preacher liked the sermon you you know you talk about how it was good and if it, or, or if you like the sermon, and if you didn't, you criticize the sermon. <laughs> um, and then you go back next week and you kind of do it again. And, um, and so what we're seeing, and this is what I love about this house fires sermon, because what you are sharing with us is that it's not just a suggestion uh -huh. by picking out a few verses from the new Testament. Yeah. This is the narrative arc of scripture Yeah, that God's house has never been a big, fancy, centralized, permanent structure. Yeah, His house has always been movable. Yeah. His house has always been with the people. One, one other aspect of the sanctuary that I, that I remember hearing a preacher say a long time ago is that there is a trend in the Old Testament where the sanctuary the temple the tabernacle is in the middle of the camp on level ground with everyone 
Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when the pagans built their shrines, it was always in the high places. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so this is where you get this idea of you know, and you know, so and so knocked down all the high places, you know, and yeah. it's like the idea the the sort of philosophical idea behind this is that in the pagan religions god was someone that you had to go out of your way yeah. to find yeah whereas the tabernacle is like oh he's already here he's among us he's on level ground with us we don't yeah. we don't go to the high place to find him he comes yeah. down to us you know yeah. Yeah. um and and that this is repeated in the new testament where the fire of god the presence of god fills a home Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the New Testament, I just, I got this little thing here that I just ran into randomly yesterday. Oh, I think I got rid of it. Um, I ran into it randomly yesterday on, 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 on Facebook. Someone posted it and it just absolutely blew my mind because it, it just listed um, the different verses in the New Testament where, mm-hmm. um, where it talks about the church, you know, so, and it, it lists uh, maybe, probably not all of them, maybe about eight of them. And every single one of them, it's basically talking about um, someone's house, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, and the church yeah. bed in this guy's house and the That's church right. bed in that person's house and the other yep. person's house. Yep. And it's just like not once. Ah, here it is. I, I just found it. So Acts 246, house to house, Acts 542, house to house, Acts 83, house to house, Acts 1022, Cornelius house, Acts 1212, Mary's house, Acts 1632, the jailer's house, Acts 1640, Lydia's house, Acts right. 187, Tidia's uh, justice house. Acts 2020, house to house again. Romans 16.5, Priscilla and Aquilus' house, which is repeated in 1 Corinthians 16.19. Colossians yeah. 4.15, Nympha's house. Philemon 1.2, Philemon's house. You know, like this is, the fire was spreading. Like you said, it yes. was spreading house to house. God poured his fire out on homes. And yeah. never once in the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament, do you ever see God saying, build me a permanent structure. Yep. That yep. doesn't that doesn't happen until like you yep. said third century. Yep. Um, Constantine and you get the cathedrals sort of emerging. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I totally agree with you, man. I feel like okay, we're we're we can get that, but at the same time we're so stuck in in the in the permanent structure slash program model. Yeah. that how do you turn that boat around you know what i mean like how do you get out of that thing that's so big and so gargantuan and you're so stuck in it and yeah. then this pandemic happens and all of a sudden we're not doing it anymore mm-hmm. you know it's like there is it's no like more that. we're not going to a building there's no program you know yeah. what i mean it's like if there's ever a chance for us to say let's get back to the new testament you know it's maybe right we can't now. do the house to house you know, with people gathering in homes just yet because, you know, the virus is still around. But when this begins to fade, what better time do we have to say, let's get back to where the fire is, you yeah. know? And again, I agree with you. It's not about saying, hey, yeah. you know, sell the church buildings and demolish right. them. That's not the point. Right. But let's decentralize church from yeah. the one person and and the few musicians and mm-hmm. and open it back so that in people's homes, the spirit of God, the fire of God is filling everyone's homes. Yep. And all of us are using our gifts, our abilities, our skills to build the kingdom of God. Yep. That's just like, if there's, if there's one thing we should do when this pandemic is over, this is it, man. Absolutely. This is it. Yeah. This is it. This is the time. That's it, man. So tell me a little bit, because I know, I know you got to go. So yeah. I'm just going to ask one more, one more question, and then yeah. we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, what would be your encouragement your advice to pastors, 
um, elders, church members. Um, as this whole thing begins to wind down and we get to go back to our churches, um, what would be your advice in terms of how to make this transition and say, look, let's decentralize church. Let's get, let's get the homes active in building the kingdom yeah. of God again. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, first of all, just a thorough study mm-hmm. of that history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are just shocked when they're like, wait, what? God didn't tell David to build the sanctuary. I mean, to build the, the house. No, I mean, some people have been like, wait a minute. David says that God said that it was because he was a man who had too much blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. And that's why he couldn't build it. And that he would build, he would, he would build it through his son named Solomon. When you read that account, that is what David is saying God said. Mm. Right? When you go back to what God actually said, he doesn't mention Solomon. He doesn't mention your you had bloody hands. Mm. So it's kind of like, remember when Eve was like, Yeah, and God said, Don't either, don't even touch it lest you die. <laughs> yep. It almost seems like one of those instances where it's like, all right, you know. God did not, when Nathan comes to David, Nathan doesn't even use those words, mm-hmm. right? So really studying out and seeing, whoa, wait a minute, this is true. Like God did not ask for this structure to be built. He would not have asked for a structure that is glory on the outside. He, if he wanted that, he would have done that in the wilderness, mm. right? And he mm. tells David, I don't want this house. Like when have I ever asked for, what house will you build you know the yeah, what house yeah. will you build for me to dwell in? That's right. Right. The really? heavens are a curtain. I stretch out the heavens like a curtain, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So once we understand that, and then are able to connect that with the New Testament and see house to house, house to house, mm. house to house, this house, that house, the fire falling in a house. I think it's really just a matter of conviction. Like, whoa, you know what? We have moved away from the model, mm. and if I want. If I want to set my local area on fire, then this is the way to do it because mm. it's the way that they did it back then. And why not follow God's model? That's right. Right. So, you know, trying to get people together who catch this vision and with this, the situation we're in right now, you're going to have to kind of think creatively. And that's what, that's the one thing I appreciate about this is it's leading people to have to think creatively. Mm. Right. How are we going to do this creatively? And when this lifts, are we going to go back to the status quo? Are we going to go back to doing church as usual? I hope not. Mm. You know, I hope that we will take this in and really come out a different in it with a different model. That's right. Um, and, wow, you man, know, I, could, I yeah. couldn't agree more, man. You know, I, I was just thinking yesterday. Um, that verse where Jesus says the night is coming where no man can work, mm-hmm. you know, like work while the sun is out, yeah. the night yeah. is coming where no man can work. And I feel like this whole experience has given new, new meaning to that text because yeah. I'm not saying the night has arrived, but there's a sense we're, we're, we're getting a taste of it Yeah, where it's like, okay, last year when life was privileged and, um, you know, things were, there was a sense of, you know, normalcy and we could be together and we could do things. Um, we, we didn't take advantage to the degree we should have to build God's yeah. kingdom this yeah. year. We can hardly do squat, you know, mm-hmm. 
And so it's like, and, and it reminds me of Jesus' words, like, look, work when the day is out because the night is coming where no man can work. And I think like this has given us a taste of that, that when this pandemic is over, we really, really need to recommit to the mission of building God's kingdom yeah. because the night is coming. And it's mm-hmm. like, when the day is here, man, when the day is here, do the work because, yeah. you know, like right now we're in this scenario and we're trying to find creative ways to reach the culture. But at the same time, it's not the same. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not, you, you just know it. It's, this is a type of night that we're living yeah. in right now. Yeah. And it's like, there is a worse night coming. Mm-hmm. And so when that night comes, I don't want to look back at all the daylight and be like, oh yeah, I just wasted it by playing church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to be able yeah. to look back at all the daylight and be like, yes, we took advantage of God's model yeah. and we equipped each other, all of us, the, 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 the priesthood of all believers. We built his kingdom yeah. in our homes. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, that's just awesome. You know, <laughs> so Ivor, um, one more, one more thing, one more thing. Yeah. You got to run. So let me, let me, let me let you go. But um, I wanted to give you just a moment to share with us a little bit about any upcoming projects that you have that people can plug into. Yeah. Um, I know you got an, like an army event coming up, army Bible camp. And also um, if someone wanted to follow you on social media and contact you, how could they do it? Yeah. So you can either um, follow me on Facebook, Ivor Myers, the one you're looking for. I got several of them. So let me just say the one you're looking for is the picture of me and my wife, Atante, together. Okay. Right? That's the one you want, me and my wife, Atante, together. You can follow me on Instagram, at Ivor Myers, and it's M-Y-E-R-S. Yep, not M-E-Y, guys. Right, M-Y. right. M-Y. I made that mistake times. Right. <laughs> and then my YouTube channel, Power of the Lamb, is the, is the YouTube channel. Yep. And then... Also, there's my website, powerthelamb.com. So those are the ways you can follow me. I am doing the thing that I'm really focused on right now is teaching people how to study the Bible for themselves. Mm. And it's what I call photo theology. So the art of studying the Bible through the use of pictures. Mm. And I've got a a Facebook group that we started probably about two months ago. Uh, It's by invitation only. So in other words, People are invited in, they answer three questions, we, we let them in. We are not just letting anyone in mm. who, you know, yep. we want to know that people are in there because they want to know how to study the Bible. And we, yep. our group right now is about 1,300 people nice. in the last two months. Love it. That's so, awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah. People are wanting to get into the Word of God and learn how to study it for themselves. And they're learning some really, really powerful and exciting things. So That's cool. Awesome. The name so is there a website to that or just the Facebook group? It's the Facebook group, Photo okay. Theology. Just look up yep. Photo Theology and you will see that group. Yep. And yeah, just, you know, request to join, answer the questions and we'll get you in. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. We go live every Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. So, and it's, you know, so everyone in that group will see the live and uh, yes, exciting stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm going to have all this in the show notes as well and on the blog post that promotes this um, podcast interview. So all the links will be on there. Uh, So if you're listening and you just want one place where you can just go click, 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 um, just check out the show notes on SoundCloud or just go to the storychurchproject.com and look up the blog post, the number one thing your church must do after the pandemic. 
um, and it'll be there. It'll be there. Ivor, thank you so much again for joining us, man. I'm super blessed. I'm also going to have a uh, just embedded video of your house fire sermons yeah. um, in case anyone wants to watch this sermon as well. But thank you so much for sharing with us and taking the time to kind of like unpack this theme yeah. in scripture. And, uh, and I hope that each of you who've been listening kind of walk away with a renewed appreciation of the depth of, of the, the, the plan that God has for his church and how he wants to use us to reach the, to reach the world. I'm going to let you go, Ivers. Um, I know you got things to do, but again, bro, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. And uh, yeah, God bless you. And for those of you who um, are listening, uh, definitely make sure you head over to the storychurchproject.com and um, check out the, all the links and everything that's there. And uh, other than that, I'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.